Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Thanksgiving is going to look uh, a little different this year. Uh, normally it is a time when we uh, gather with uh, friends and family and uh, uh, and the the banquet is set before us, and everyone eats more than they uh, than they should, and then they kind of roll off into the uh, into a living room or uh, into a den or whatnot, and watch uh, watch some TV and uh, and quickly go to sleep. <laughs> well, COVID is uh, is going to prevent that uh, this year, but probably even though we're not going to be able to gather together with. Uh, 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 with as many friends and families as we would like to gather with, uh, the, the one thing that will probably be the same is the food. There will be there will be there will be lots of food, uh, and uh, I'm 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 already feeling uh, stuffed from uh, the anticipation of uh, wanting that one more bite because it's so good. But knowing that I just, I just need to say no, I need to push myself away from the table. Uh, boundaries when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner kind of go out the window. I don't know why that is. Uh, but, uh, uh, but it's not just with Thanksgiving dinner. Actually, probably more of us that want to admit it have trouble with boundaries, setting boundaries on anything. Uh, because we get so caught up in what we're doing that we press forward and... Uh, uh, and sometimes to the point of exhaustion. I think Paul had that problem. I think Paul struggled with boundaries. I mean, Paul was so driven uh, to complete the call that God placed on his life to be a minister to the Gentiles, uh, to bring them uh, uh, before the throne of God as an acceptable offering, a living sacrifice, uh, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We talked uh, a little bit about that last week. But he was always looking for the next place to go, uh, to push on. Uh, and uh, he, we, he had basically exhausted the area in, in which he found himself. And so uh, he's pressing on. His, his goal is now to go to Spain. He wants to go to Spain. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them to uh, the 15th chapter of the book of Romans, where uh, we're coming to the conclusion of this uh, great uh, book. Uh, it's been it's it's taken us to some wonderful places. The challenges that uh, uh, that Paul has presented to us, recognizing the differences between the Jewish background believers and the and the Gentile background believers, and recognizing that both sides have something to bring to the party. Uh, that 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 God's vision for the world. Uh, was one of of unity and to and to bring people into that understanding that that it's not what you do it's what God has done for you and recognizing what God has done for you we can come together and learn how to live for others in ways that bring glory and honor to God that declaration that we have that we are righteous in God's sight not because of what we have done but because of uh, of who Jesus is and what he has done that recognition that uh, 
uh, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. But also that recognition that, uh, uh, that God had given to the Jews this moral framework within which when they lived, they thrived. And, and when they stepped outside of that framework, they struggled. And we are invited into that, not as a, not as a legalistic means of, of garnering God's favor in our lives, uh, but for our own benefit. Salvation, salvation through Jesus Christ is the salvation of self-destruction that comes to us when we are left uh, on our own, left, if you will, without boundaries to, to recognize uh, how God has uh, desired us to live. So Paul is carrying forth this message and uh, uh, as, he, as he moves on, in this, we pick it up in this 15th chapter with verse 23, where he writes this. He says, but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. He wants to go to Spain. He sees that as an opportunity and a frontier and a place to take the gospel. That's, that's what he wants more than anything. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me. <coughs> Excuse me. And to have you assist me. Oh, I got to get a drink of water here. And to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and uh and Achaia were pleased to make contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owed it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and for the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. I pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service to Jerusalem be acceptable to the saints there so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. So Paul wants to go to Spain, but there's a call on his life, and that call is superseding his want at the moment. He is filtering his wants through his call. Not his call through his wants. Because what he wants to do is go to Spain. But before he can do that, he knows he has to go to Jerusalem. He has gathered a gift, a material gift, to bring to the saints in Jerusalem who are struggling. And he wants to do that. And that struggle stems from a couple of things. It's, it's, partly it stems from the fact that uh, the gospel totally turned Jerusalem on its ear. And as you read in the, in, the early, uh, in the early chapters of the book of Acts, as the gospel spreads, it says in there that a number of the priests became believers. That's a radical shift 
We need to, rec- we need to remember that for the, uh, the priests, they made their living, their livelihood was based on the people bringing sacrifices to them so that they could uh, uh, offer those sacrifices and then a portion they would take home to feed their families. And so now the priests who are coming to have faith in Jesus Christ, they have to figure out a new way to live. That, that their livelihood has been taken away from them. And, and you can imagine the struggle early on as people would come and they would bring their sacrifices and the, and the, the priests would say, I, you know what? No, I can't do this anymore. Uh, Jesus Christ is the one sacrifice for all. Uh, and, and, and so that brought real economic hardship on the area. And so as they're struggling in order to uh, in order just just to live, and 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 then uh, so there's that tension that exists. There's also the tension that exists because now the doors have been opened up and the Gentiles are coming in. What is the role of the Gentiles? Uh, uh, what is our role as as faithful and obedient Jews to the covenant that we have received from Moses? And and so that you know they're battling back and forth on what should be required uh, from the Gentiles and what shouldn't be required. And you'll if you'll remember back in uh, in Acts there was a there was a letter that was written uh, from the from the church to the Gentile believers, uh, basically saying that uh, uh, they, they, they wrote this letter that said, Greetings, we have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said, so that we agreed to choose some people and send them to you with our dear friends Paul and Barnabas, uh, people who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're sending Judas and Silas uh, to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. So that word had gone out, and there was great rejoicing amongst the Gentiles and, and that, that, that they were being welcomed in, but there's still this, this tension that exists. And so Paul has collected this, uh, 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 this gift from the, from the Gentile believers, and he's going to bring that gift to the church in Jerusalem who is struggling with, uh, with, with economic hardship and, and also probably still some theological hardship. So there's a, there's a divided house within, within the church. And Paul has a strong sense of obligation to be, if you will, a broker of reconciliation. You know, we talk about, uh, we talk about, about God's plan. And, and God's plan begins with creation. Then, you know, you look at it, you have creation, you have fall, you have redemption, and then you have restoration. Uh, we have redemption in Jesus Christ. Restoration, we participate in that. We engage in, in acts of restoration in and through the power of the Holy Spirit as we act as brokers of reconciliation to bring restoration. And I think that's in part what, what Paul is desiring to do. He's desiring to bring some restoration, and he hopes to do this through this 
material gift. And he says, and, and how appropriate is this material gift? They're so appropriate because the Gentiles have benefited from the spiritual blessings of the Jews. Therefore, it is right that the Jews should uh, uh, receive a blessing, a, ma- a material blessing from the Gentiles so that you bring material blessings and spiritual blessings together, recognizing how important it is uh, that we cultivate and develop a healthy community. Paul wanted to go to Spain, but his call first was to the people of Jerusalem. You know, and as I think about that and I think about our own lives, there's things that we want to do. There are things that I want to do. There are places that I want to go. Paul wanted to go to Spain. I had opportunity to go to Spain when I was a senior in high school. Uh, and a, a friend of mine, his family lived there, and they were, they were going to go for a month, and they invited me to go with them. They said, all you need to do is to, is to pay for your flight. We'll take care of everything else once you're there. Uh, and, uh, in, in a, and I decided to use that money to buy a down payment on a, on a car rather than go to Spain. So I want to go to Spain someday. I want to do that. Uh, but I know that I've got higher obligations in my life just like Paul knew that he had higher obligation in his life. And so as we try to figure out what God is doing in our lives, especially in this day and age, as we we battle with this COVID, as we battle with... Uh, with government inconsistencies as we struggle with a, as a nation and, and seeing us uh, uh, divided. It's so important uh, for us to take the time to seek the Lord, to understand what His call is on our lives for just such a time as this. And in, in, in my heart of hearts, I believe that call, first and foremost, is back to Jerusalem. What do I mean by that in our context? Well, I think that a portion, a significant part of our call is back to the house of God, back to our own house. We still need to bring unity and restoration and healing and reconciliation into our own homes, into our own families, into our own nation. That is so crucial and so critical at this time because we are so divided. We're divided as a nation. We're divided as a, uh, as a, as a, as a church. Uh, we're even divided in families. I, it, it hurts my heart when I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I can't, even before this pandemic stuff, uh, I, you know, I can't have Thanksgiving with my family anymore. I just, I could never, uh, I can never understand anybody, especially a Christian, who would vote for, and you fill in the blank, because I've heard it come from both sides. I've heard people say that I could, I, I, I can't even understand how a Christian could possibly vote for Donald Trump. I can't believe that a Christian could possibly vote for Joe Biden. And, and, and it has created a rift, not only in the nation, but in the church, and oftentimes even in individual families. And we go back to what Paul was talking about, disputable matters. This is one of the most disputable matters of our time. And it is tearing us apart. 
And how are we as maturing Christians, I won't say mature Christians, because i got a ways to go, I don't know about you, but as maturing Christians, how are we to respond? Well, I think we go back to chapter 12. When you go back to chapter 12 in Romans, Paul talks about this. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly and sisterly love. Honor others above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I want to focus in on that one part there where it talks about mourn with those who are mourning and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. As a result of where we find ourselves today, you may be rejoicing. You may also be mourning. I know, I have no doubt that there are people within our community who are in both camps. And as maturing Christians, what is our responsibility? Again, our call is to bring reconciliation into our own house. And I think it begins with us praying and learning if we are mourning right now, being willing to step outside of our comfort zone and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And if we find ourselves rejoicing right now, we need to step outside of our comfort zone and mourn with those who are mourning. This is, if, if we cannot bring that concept into our own house, then, then we're in deep trouble. We're in deep trouble. This is a crucial time for our nation. And yes, we are more divided than ever before. But not only are we divided as a nation, we are divided as a church. And again, as I said earlier, we are divided as families. Someone has to make the step forward to say, look, I know that you disagree with me, but I want to come alongside of you wherever you are. If you're rejoicing, I want to rejoice with you. If you are mourning, I want to mourn with you. I want to be the peace of Christ in the midst of this challenging time. I want to filter my wants through my call And my call, first and foremost, is to be a healer, to be a reconciler, to be a restorer, to be that voice and that presence of Christ in the midst of a challenging situation that we might move forward in healthy ways. Now, that doesn't eliminate our wants, and our wants are always going to be there. But we need to be able to set our wants aside, recognizing that we make plans. Paul made plans, and those plans never came to fruition. So as I was reading through here, you know, Paul has all of these plans, uh, and then he asks, he asks his readers uh, to, to join him in the struggle. 
I urge you, my brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from unbelievers in Judea, that, that my service in Jerusalem might be acceptable to the saints there. How well did that work out for Paul? It didn't. It dawned on me at this point that, that uh, Paul is asking for prayer. And those prayers would not be answered. He would go to Jerusalem. He would go, hoping that this gift would bring some healing to the community there, and immediately found himself arrested. Oh, he wanted to go to Spain, but his call was to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to stop in Rome on the way, and that's ultimately where he was sent. But he went to Rome in a very different circumstance than what he thought. He laid out plans for what he wanted to do. My call is to go to Jerusalem. My want is to go to Spain. I'm going to visit Rome on the way. This is what I want to do. You know what the Bible says about, uh, uh, about our lives? It says, listen very carefully. Uh, for those who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there carrying on business and make money. Why? Why, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, then we will live and we will do this or we will do that. As it is, you boast and you brag, and all such boasting is evil. We don't know what the future is going to hold. That doesn't mean that we don't plan. But we need to hold all of our plans loosely because we do not know what's going to happen. Paul did not know what was going to happen. Even though there was a prophetic word, there was a prophetic word that came to Paul on his way into Jerusalem where the prophet came up and took Paul's belt and tied up his hands and he said, and tied up his feet and he says, this is how the owner of this uh, uh, belt will be received in Jerusalem. And, and the people who were with Paul tried to stop him. Don't go, don't go. This is a prophetic word, don't go. And Paul said, you guys don't understand. I, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to go. I must go. Even if my life is on the line, I must go. But pray for me. Pray for me. And, and as, 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 I, as, I, as I think about that, it's another example of unanswered prayer. Is it unanswered or is it just not answered the way that we want it to be answered? And that's a challenge because, again, what we want, we, go, we come to God with our prayers and say, Lord, this is what we want. And when it doesn't happen, we get all bent out of shape and think, you know, God doesn't love me anymore. Or maybe God's not as powerful as we think, as I think he should be, which is basically just a euphemism to say, I didn't get what I want, and so I'm going to pout about it. Sometimes the answers to our prayers is no. God has a plan. And that, and that plan transcends anything that we can begin to wrap our minds around. Paul understood this. Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, he was, he was praying to God and he was frustrated. He was struggling because of the, of the corruption and the destruction that was going around him, going on around him. And he, and he just prays with his whole heart, Lord, how long do I have to look at this before you do something? And God said, I'm doing something that you wouldn't believe even if I told you. Have faith. 
Trust me. Your sight isn't always going to be your best asset in understanding what I am doing in this world. So Paul goes to Jerusalem. He is arrested. Life doesn't turn out the way that he wants it to turn out. And then he finds himself in chains being sent to Rome. How do we do that? How do we, how do we make plans and then at the same time let go of those expectations? That's the challenge for us to live in the moment. I, 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 again, I love this story uh, of, uh, of John Ortberg uh, getting ready to go to a new ministry, asking Dallas Willard how he could go in and do it well, and, and uh, asking if Dallas would help him. And Dallas said, yeah, absolutely, I'll help you. And so Ortberg gets a pen and a pencil and says, okay, I'm ready. What do you got for me? And Dallas says, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And, and, and Ortberg writes that down. He says, oh, this is good stuff. Right? Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Uh, what's next? And Dallas said, there is no next. That's how we do it. We ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And when we ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives, we're present in the moment in which we have. And the reality is the present moment is all that we have. Nothing is guaranteed beyond this present moment. And God has placed a call upon our lives. And yes, he has given us tremendous ability and tremendous opportunity. But at the end of the day, our call remains at home with one another as restorers, as healers, as reconcilers. Our call in life is to show the world a different way to live, a way that focuses not on our desires, not on our will, but on God's will. Now, the Bible says that the the Lord longs to give us the desires of our hearts. And I believe that as we grow and mature in our faith, the desires of our hearts are transformed. My heart's desire is to be one with the Lord. That my will and thy will are the same. That I come alongside of God as an ally. That I don't find myself fighting against God. Paul was willing to go with the flow. Because there was a call upon his life. Yes, he had plans. Yes, I have plans. I still hope someday to get to Spain. I'd love to go back to Italy. I'd love to go back to Scotland. There's so many things that I would love to do that I long to do. And I'm going to make those plans. But I'm not going to forget where I am right now. And I'm not going to forget the call that God has upon my life to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to continue engaging in the spiritual exercises that allow for transformation in my life to occur so that when I walk into a tense situation, I can be the breath of fresh air. I can be the word of encouragement. I can be the one that will mourn with those who are mourning, even if I am rejoicing in my heart. Or I will come alongside and I will rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Even though I am mourning in my heart. 
Paul poured out his life into those he served. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ who came not to be our earthly king, but to give his life as a ransom for us that through him we might have all things. And in this time of thanksgiving, in this time of abundance, in this time of celebration, it's important for us to be able to recognize that all the blessings that we have come from God, to thank Him for those blessings, but to also recognize that God has placed a call upon each and every one of our lives. How do you know what God's call is in your life? Well, there's some simple things, and you can read about those in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. But in addition to that, you pray, we pray, we pray together, and we ask God to open up our hearts to the pain and the suffering around us, wherever we may find ourselves, that we might come alongside and be uh, instruments of healing, of reconciliation, of restoration. We pray that we might be able to rejoice with those who are rejoicing while mourning with those who are mourning. We listen for the still small voice of God leading us to that person whose life we can touch and hopefully draw them into a closer relationship with Christ. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Paul says, the God of peace be with you all. And that idea of peace, again, as we've talked about, is that deep and rich understanding of, of, of shalom and contentment and presence with God. To know that we are in that right space, that right relationship, making ourselves available for the kingdom that others might know that God still inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, it's never been more important for the church to be the church, to be brokers of healing and reconciliation. And it begins in our own families, begins in our own church, because our faith, our faith transcends all politics. Our faith transcends all denominationalism, all nationalism. Our faith bows to none except our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in and through Jesus Christ, we bring hope to a world that is struggling beyond anything most of us could ever imagine in our lifetimes. But there are times, and we have the answer, and that answer is Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, well, I don't know what you, uh, what you heard when you came in and how it all worked out. But one more example of living in the moment and trusting in God, letting go of expectations. Whether or not you heard a part of the sermon or you heard all of the sermon is secondary to being in the presence of the Lord. The challenges that we face are real, obviously. But God has placed a call upon our lives to rest in him, 
to be at peace and to be peacemakers, brokers of reconciliation, people who are willing to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. So as we move through this Thanksgiving season, a Thanksgiving season unlike anything that any of us have experienced before and hopefully will never experience again, let us remember to rejoice in God's faithfulness. Be in the moment and look for opportunities to be God's hands and feet wherever we find ourselves that the world might know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and comprehension that guards our hearts in Christ Jesus.